Amen. Anybody excited about the word this morning? Good, good, good. You're in the right place then. Let's just stand for a minute for the reading of the word, would you? Morning, church. I'm reading from the Life Application Study Bible. I'm going to be reading from Matthew 6, verses 9 through 15. Um, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. Amen. 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 I like to start with a quote each morning. Here it is. Get your tweeters out. Ready? All right, two. That's good. Anything God has ever done, He can do now. Anything God has done anywhere, He can do here. Anything God has ever done for anyone, He can do for you. Nah, y'all didn't hear that. Let's start again. I like to start with a quote every morning. Maybe this time you pay attention. Anything God has ever done, He can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, He can do here. Anything God has ever done for anyone, He can do for you. Amen. Now you got it. Anything God, I love that. Anything God has ever done for somebody, He could do for me. Isn't that amazing? Can we just stop right there and say, whoa, anything God. Okay, let's stop right there and say, whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Anything God has ever done for somebody else, He can do for me. He can do it here, and He can do it now. Isn't Isn't that an attitude to go into the Word with? All right, let's get into the Word then. We've been going through First and Second Corinthians, and we've been watching as, as Paul deals with the church in the city of Corinth, right? And, and the, the, the church in the city of Corinth is a church plant with a mix of people from different cultures, from different backgrounds. There's different levels of maturity and understanding. There's still a very young church with a lot to learn and a long way to go. Sound like anybody? They're a church in the, in the heart of a city that is rooted in religious traditions and superstitions and all kinds of religious rituals and pagan practices. Sound like any other city you know? And, and so Paul is teaching them and giving them examples to follow. And, and as, we, as we've mentioned all, all, all throughout, all through this time, he's been traveling around. He's been planting churches in other, in other places. And he gets reports back from them and he writes these letters because his heart is for the body. His heart is for the church. And what he's trying to do is correct and strengthen and, and bring order to the body of Christ in the church at Corinth. 
And so I want to press into to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 today with a message titled, You Can't Do That Here. Reaction to it and how are they going to react to this and, and are they going to listen? Are they going to do it? Are they going to follow? Are they going to change things, right? And so it says, um, we, we read right in the beginning that he meets Titus. And, you know, he, he, was, he, was, he went someplace to meet Titus. Titus wasn't there. And so, you know, he, he, he put up on Facebook and he Twittered. And, and, and then a cousin of Titus let him know, yo, Paul is looking for you. And, and they got together. And so they met finally. And he delivers this report to him, Titus, from Corinth. He tells him, the church has listened to your earlier letters. And they've disciplined some of the people. And they've taken care of some of those people that were, that were wilding out. Some of the people that you were questioning about. But, but listen, now there's also people in the church that are doubting you. And they're questioning your authority. So there's still, there's still craziness going on in, in Corinth. Amen? So in order to get a full picture of what's going on right now in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we have to go back to 1 Corinthians to understand so, so that you remember what Paul was dealing with right in the beginning, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Remember, Paul is dealing with... That's the, that's the Bible. You got you to gotta read this, man. Verse 2, he says, and, and you're so above it all that it doesn't even phase you. Shouldn't this break your hearts, Paul is telling the leaders at, at Corinth? Shouldn't it bring you to your knees in tears? Shouldn't this person and his conduct be confronted and dealt with? You see, family, as a church, we have to keep ourselves aligned with the Word of God. The church at Corinth, they, they didn't have the full Bible yet. They only had these letters. We have the full Bible, and a lot of times we don't even act like we got it. Getting quiet up in here. Too often we live like we don't. This man, he was part of the church family, and he was living reckless. He was still calling himself family. Paul is saying, listen, somebody has to stand up to that guy and tell him that here we don't play that. Somebody has to tell that guy in the family, listen, that's not how we roll. Somebody has to step up to that guy and say, you can't do that here. Church, understand something, family. Anyone is welcome at this church. Say amen. amen. We don't care who you are. We don't care what you've done. You can come in here all jacked up. Most of us do. With emotional, spiritual all kinds of baggage, and, and know that here somebody's going to love on you. Amen? Have we experienced that? I mean, you know, let's be real. We ain't perfect. I'm not saying everybody's going to love on you. Right? Everybody's not going to give you their numbers. They're not going to bake bread for you. They're not going to send you little love notes. Not everybody. We're a work in progress. Amen? But, but, but guarantee that, but, that by the time you get past that backstretch... I mean, you know, somebody's going to grab you, somebody's going to hug on you, somebody's going to squeeze you, somebody's going to punch you in the arm, somebody's going to kiss your neck, somebody's going to greet you and show you some love, right? Isn't that, isn't that right? And, and guess what? It's real. You know how I know it's real? You know how I know it's real? No, there's no paid ushers on staff here. So nobody gets paid to greet you in the back. Isn't that crazy? I know some of them hug you like they're getting paid to do it. So, some of them greet you like they got a little clicker in their hand. They go, click, click. It's another dollar. Everybody passes it. Everybody, I throw my hands on, I'm going to get a dollar. And so they're hugging you like they're getting paid for it. 
But nobody gets paid here. So, so that stuff is real. That love that you're getting is real. Amen? But now, but now here, here's, the, here's the flip side to that. When you're in here and when you start calling yourself family, then as a body we're going to have to start holding you accountable. Like it or not. Amen? See, some people will come in and go and never attempt to get connected or to be known. How many of you know people like that? And, and this, this happened even when we were like 30 people. Now it's a little easier, right, to slip in and slip it out and be out of here, bam, bam. See, there's some people that before the, the last amen, they're already by the door. They're like, amen, all right, good, afuera. Get the kids, get to the car, bam, 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 out of here. Because why? They don't want no commitments. They don't want no connections. Those are people that want to come to church, but they ain't ready to be the church. See, when you understand that you are the church, then you get connected. Then you become a part of this thing. Then, then you're like, listen, where can I help? Where can I fit in? Where do you need me today? Then, in, instead of leaving your coffee cup on the floor by, by your chair, then you pick up somebody else's on the way out. Because you say, this is my church. And, and, I, and, and somebody came to my house and left their coffee by my, by my living room furniture, I would be upset. Right? And so I wouldn't do that in my house. I wouldn't do it in your house. And so this is my house. Nobody's going to do that here. And so, so then we start, you know, then we start being connected. Amen? We start finding your fit. Listen, if you're in a healthy church, you are going to grow. It, 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 you just can't. If you're in a healthy church, you're going to grow. You're going to learn. You're going to get mature. How do we get mature? I'm glad you asked. You guys are awesome with questions. Growth and maturity comes through struggles. It comes through pressures. It comes through some correction. It comes with some rebuke. It comes with some people that I don't like that I have to sit in church with. Ay, santo. I thought we were all supposed to love each other and get along. Sometimes God will put people in your church, in your ministry, that, that rub you the wrong way. Guess what God is trying to do? He's trying to get you to grow. You think it's that other person, but it's you. Think about it. You think it's the other one. You're like, oh, I wish God would get a hold of this sister already. I wish this sister would get some Jesus in her so she understand. It's you guys dealing with. I hate when that happens, right? <laughs> it's you. So stop fighting. Stop praying that God will touch that person and say, God, touch me. God, touch me. God, change me. God, do something with me. God, why do I hate this woman? Why? God, we're in church. We're Christian. We're supposed to love all of them. Why do I hate this sister? Change me. <laughs> That's how we get maturity. That's how we grow. That's why there's annoying people in your ministries. <laughs> Somebody say, thank God for annoying people. Y'all don't mean that. 
But listen, growth and maturity, it comes through struggles. It comes through pressure. It comes through correction. How many of you love to be corrected? Woo! Mentirosos. Nobody likes to be corrected. Nobody. You'd be weird if you did. You know how spiritually mature you have to be to say, I accept that correction. I, I, that's another level. You say, thank you for not letting me do things wrong anymore. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor, for not letting me do things wrong anymore. Yeah, we ain't there yet. I didn't think so. All right, all right, all right. See, I've never heard of anyone laying down comfortable, not doing anything, and waking up muscular. It doesn't happen, right? I wish it did. I, I wish. I bought a lot of those try-this-at-home stuff. Right? You connect these little things to you and you plug it in with batteries. And while you're lying down, it gives you six-packs. It just gives you little burns, right, with the batteries. Come on, you guys have tried it. How many of you guys bought it? It was $29.99 for a six-pack. And, and, and the guy in the, the commercial got like a 10, uh, an 11-pack. Right? And he's just sitting watching TV, drinking a, a milkshake, and these little electrodes are going, tsh, tsh, tsh. and they said, that's all you got to do. Never do another sit-up again, and you'll have six. Come on, you guys bought it. You guys are flying. Mentirosos. But I've never heard of anybody not doing, it takes training. It takes sacrifice. I've never heard of anyone sitting on the couch night after night after night and waking up a professional athlete. It doesn't happen. It takes training. It takes, it takes uh, uh, determination. It takes fighting. It takes pressing on. Just like I've never heard of anyone sitting in the pew week after week and being in the will of God. Just sitting in church doesn't make you a Christian. You guys know that, right? That just makes you taking a seat in church. Taking up space. You're just wasting air up in here. Amen? You gotta do something. You gotta step up. You gotta press on. There's gonna be struggles. There's gonna be correction. There's gonna be encouragement. There's gonna be rebuke. We have to submit to being clay in the potter's hands. That's the best picture you get about Christianity, man. I am a lump of clay. You, you know what's beautiful about that? Every single one of us qualifies. <laughs> Can you be a lump of clay? Oh, yeah, pretty much. Just put myself on the wheel and be there and let the master's hands spin me around and spin me around and, and, and let him put his hands to me until, until he, there's indentations happening in places I, I didn't know I could be broken in. And, and, and then, then there's, there's things taking place and things are opening up inside in the hand and, and, and sometimes it doesn't work right and so it gets taken off and it gets smashed back down and it gets mashed and mashed and mashed and then the lump gets back on the thing. Anybody been there? Oh, man, I don't know how many times I've been thrown off the wheel and back on. <laughs> Say, God, make a little ashtray already, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes God wants something big. He wants to do something incredible with you. You just want to be an ashtray. Ooh, that's a good message. I don't know where that, I don't know where that came from. So we're seeing this kind of stuff happen all throughout First and Second Corinthians, man. That's the job of church leaders. Ephesians 4.11 tells us, what, what, what are we supposed to do? Well, look, Christ, God gave us apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. 
for the building up of the body of Christ. God gives us teachers to the church not for entertainment, believe it or not. Not for just encouragement, not even for your friendship. God gives us the church to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry in order that the body of Christ can be built up. Paul is teaching and building up and equipping the saints to do ministry. As a matter of fact, I'm going I'm to send you out on a missionary trip right now. How many weeks is Easter away? Two more weeks, right? August 8th? Exactly. I want to make sure you guys are paying attention. April. I was giving you too much time. Just, just, just two weeks. Tell you what, don't come Easter if you don't come with somebody. Good enough? I give you a fair enough amount of time? Say, you know, today, God, say this week, God, you throw me on the wheel and start shaping me and start molding me. But, God, do what you got to do because I'm going to bring somebody for Easter. Why? Why? Because we want to, like, we have that many extra chairs? No, we don't. We don't care, though. But the thing about Easter, anybody will come to church Easter. You don't even got to push hard. Because the biggest derelict knows that Easter he should come to church. Right? Trust me, Easter, this place will be filled with derelicts and thugs. Criminals and... and <laughs> no, you, you know what I'm saying. It's, what I'm saying is it's easy to get anybody to come to church Easter. So do it. Take advantage of it. But do it believing, God, you know what? If I get this person, if I get this lady, if I get this guy in the presence of God at least one more time. I know he came last Easter and he never came back. I know he came Christmas to the play and he never came back. I know maybe he came to the baby dedication and we've never seen him in church again. But, but, but go with the attitude of God. If I could get him into one more Easter service maybe. If I could get him in the presence of God just one more time, God, maybe that day you could do something. Maybe that day something will happen. Amen? So that's your, your mission should you choose to accept it. Thanks for the sound effects, Alice. So Paul says, so Paul says, listen, when something like that is going on in the church with, with someone in the family, he's talking about, you know, this guy that's, that's having sex and doing crazy things and still calling himself part of the family, we, we as the body have to stand up and say, listen, you can't do that here. You can't do that. You can't live like that here. When I hear, man, I've been, I've been down to hear that there's, there's a husband in here beating somebody. So, so we can make a little visit with the men's ministry. And all the law officers that we just brought up today, I say, you, you, you can't do that here. Don't let that happen again. Amen? We, we as the body have to hold each other accountable. So this is what Paul says back in 1 Corinthians. He says, verse 3, I'll tell you what I would do, Paul says. You must not simply look the other way and hope that it goes away on its own. No. Bring it out in the open. Hold this man's conduct up to public scrutiny. Let him defend it if he can. But if he can't, then out with him. It will be totally devastating to him, of course, and it will be embarrassing to you, but better devastation and embarrassment than damnation. He says, you, you're going to want that man up on his feet and forgiven before the master on the day of judgment. 
So your flip and your callous arrogance in these things bothers me. You pass it off as a small thing, but it's anything but. One version puts it this way. Deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. What a Christian attitude, right? Deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Why? So that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Oh, man, that's a beautiful purpose there. Remember, Paul is talking to the church. He's not talking to visitors. Uh, I'm sorry, welcome. I hope you're having a good time today. He's not talking to those outside the church. He's talking to those of us that call ourselves the church. He say, we got to stand up and say, you can't do that here. Right? And, and he goes on in that chapter. He said, when it comes to arrogance, you can't do that here. When it comes to gossip, you can't do that here. When it comes to sexual immorality, you can't do that here and be part of a ministry team and be part of a teaching team. You can't do that here. When it comes to hurting people, to bringing division, to tearing people down, you cannot do that here and still be part of this body. So, so he writes that letter to them, and, and, and now he's concerned about it. He's saying, man, I hope that they take this letter. I hope that they, that they receive it. I hope that they do something about it, right? And he's worried how they're going to react and because he loves this church. He wants the best for it. He, he doesn't want anything or anyone to try to tear it down or destroy it. And so when he finally hears from Titus, who brings him this report, and he says, in some areas, man, they're doing well. They've actually listened to you, and they've dealt with the issues that you mentioned. And most scholars and commentators believe that this next paragraph in 2 Corinthians 2 is referring to that same guy that he talked about in 1 Corinthians. But even if it isn't, it's still the same principle. It's still, it's still the same. Watch, watch this. In 2 Corinthians 2, he says, this is now another letter that he's writing to them after he got the report. And so he's saying, listen, for such a one, this punishment by the majority, remember he said get together as a body and cast this dude out. You know, you know ask him for explanation. If he can't explain himself, then get him out and hand him over to Satan. Because if, if he doesn't want to submit, if he doesn't want to repent, if he doesn't, doesn't repent from his sins, he can't be part of the body. Because he's in d deliberate disobedience. So he says, now, this punishment by the majority is enough. You should rather now turn to forgive and comfort him. Or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Verse 8, he writes, So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. Come on, you guys listening? For this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you'll be obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. What I have forgiven, I have forgiven if I've forgiven anything, has been for the sake of the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his, of his designs. See, I love that the same teacher who said, somebody's got to stand up to this fool and correct him, somebody got to set this brother straight, somebody needs to beat that brother down and let him know that you can't do that here. If he has anything to say about it, he needs to go. Somebody got to throw that brother out. I love that the same guy, now he's telling the church, if this man is repenting, if this man is sorry, then you got to start loving him. Then, then if he understands what he did wrong, then the church should turn and forgive him. And the church should comfort him. Family, that's the heart of God. There's a time to confront and there's a time to comfort. I, I pray we really get this because the church, the church loves talking about forgiveness. 
We love, you know, we think we understand forgiveness. We desire forgiveness. But C.S. Lewis says, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. I didn't want to go any further in this chapter today. I just want to stay right here and stay in it. I've heard it said, and we've probably heard it, and we've seen it happen. The church is the only army that shoots his wounded. Family, I want you to hear it from the pulpit today. You can't do that here. When it comes to unforgiveness, you can't do that here. When it comes to raja tabla disciplina, you can't do that here. When it comes to pointing out specks in other people's eyes and not dealing with the planks in your own, you can't do that here. When it comes to standing in judgment without love, you can't do that here. When it comes to writing people off because they made a mistake, because they did things wrong, you can't do that here. When if you, there's no rebuke without restoration, there's no bashing without rebuilding, you can't do that here. Paul says, now go and reaffirm your love for him. Worship team, you guys can come. I, I, I want to stop right here. Paul tells us later on in Galatians, he says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Pastor G, I want you to come up in a minute. You can come up now. And we're just going to pray. Because I believe there's, there's a lot of people here in the church. God gave me this word because there's a lot of people here in the church that have fallen but have never been restored. And, and, and listen, you can be here today and you can say, you know what, I, and, and this, these stories break my heart. There's people sitting right here that you used to lead ministries. You used to have the zeal of God to, to run things. You used to have that passion when you first came to the Lord. You had this passion that there, was, there couldn't be nobody sitting next to you on the bus or the train that you wouldn't have to minister to. There's some of us sitting here, man, you used to be so on fire. And then, and, and, and the sad thing is sometimes in our babiness, right, in our newness, we, we get Christ and we become Christians and we want to get save the world, right? But, but something, sometimes that turns into this self-righteousness. And, and all of a sudden we're, we're this, these people like, oh, I got God and they don't and... I wish they would understand. They, they, you curse too much. You know you're going to hell if you keep cursing. Do you know that if you don't stop smoking, the, 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 devil, the devil's going to get a hold of you and the devil's going to drag you to hell? And, and, and we get this self-righteousness that we just start beating everybody down around us and we start rolling like with Thor with this heavy Christian hammer on people and we're abusing people with the word because we get so self-righteous and we have this thing in us. And eventually, I've seen this happen dozens and dozens of times. Eventually, we can't even live up to our own expectations for other people. Because the Word says that we're judged with the same manner that we, that we judge others. And so, eventually, we get so self-righteous that, that we're not even good enough for us. Yeah, I'm, I'm 
I'm sure you got some of you here. You've known people like that. And then the saddest part is that to restore those people back, you have to give them a brand new touch of grace. They need a whole new understanding of the grace of God. And, and sadly, too many, I've, I've seen rarely those come back and be accepted and understand. Usually, they're always, even if they come back, they're always backseat Christians. They're always second degree, second level, pushed back, never going to lead anything again, never going to try anything bold again, never going to share the word again, never going to minister, never going to witness, never going to testify, because they disqualified themselves. And I want to take this moment this morning to bring restoration to those. To say to you, listen, you, you, man. God still loves you. God still accepts you. You're no better or worse than anyone else in this place. All of us fall. The difference is some of us get back up. We want to be that kind of body that when people fall, we don't sidestep and point at them. We don't put them in a disciplina room. We don't sit them on a special discipline row and look at them every week with punishment and look at them every week with judgment and condemnation. We want to be those <coughs> that when someone falls, our first reaction is to extend a hand. Our first reaction is to love on them. Our first reaction is to find out what happened. How come you're on the floor? How come you went back to that? Why did you go back to the drug? Why did you go back to that relationship? Why did you go back to that place? Why did you go back to that lifestyle? Why did you go and try that again? You know it didn't work for you last time. It's okay, brother. It's okay, sister. Come on. Come on. I'm here for you, man. The next mile and a half, I'm going to run it with you. Because that pointing thing and that, and that, give them six weeks in the timeout box, that you can't do that here. I have yet to find that in the Word of God. I have yet to find that in Scripture. So you can't do that here. So, listen, can we just bow our heads for a moment? I believe there's those here that have never been repaired. You've never been rebuilt. You've never been reused. You've never been recycled. And God is saying, I'm making all things new today. Yes. I'm making all things new today. That's why we didn't even plan it, but that's why Jason sang that song. I didn't even know. But I believe if it was even for two or three of you, this entire service is for you. So let me, let me end with what I started with. Listen, anything God has ever done, He can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, He can do here. And anything God has ever done for anyone, He can do for you. I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now. If you're the one that Pastor George was speaking to, maybe in your past, you fell, you you went far from God. Maybe people mocked you. 
Maybe people have come against you, even in the body of Christ. You haven't been felt welcome. People have written you off like you didn't belong anymore. But God is bringing restoration today. It doesn't matter how far you've fallen. Maybe your heart is far from God. Maybe even last night you were outside drugging somewhere. But right now, God is calling you to a place of restoration. His arms are wide open. The Bible says he will in no way turn you away. So I'm sorry on behalf of the church. If you've been ridiculed, you've been mocked because of your failure, you've never been welcomed. Today, if you come back to God, there's a party that's going on in heaven. There's grace for you today. There's mercy for you. 